The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 129 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. Thank you so much for joining us again. What an amazing show we have got for you this week. Two guests. It's a big show. Uh, But before we jump into that, I want to thank our reviewers. We had two new reviews on Apple Podcasts this week. Five-star reviews from Trileet and I Love Tri-Tip were the usernames. I know at least one of them uh, is an old mission buddy of mine who was so kind and reached out, and Russ, you're just the best and such a good guy, and I appreciate the kind words. Uh, This week on the show, my guests, uh, first time we've ever had a full episode with a return guest. Gainalyn Condi was on one of our earlier episodes. I think it was episode 57. We adore Gainalyn. Well, she is now doing this incredible project called Real Talk. It's a come follow me resource that's available on YouTube, as well as uh, through podcast. We're going to talk a ton about it. But she came in with her partner on the show, Scott Sorensen, and I had never met Scott. I love Scott. You know, there's just there's something that bonds people anyway, when you know, your your brothers in the faith. But there is something about Scott that's so just likable. He's such a good man and so humble. And the spirit he brings was just absolutely incredible. Uh, We've got that all coming up for you. And this week in my Latter-day life, an unexpected moment in a very unexpected week. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today here in the Latter-day Live studios, we have such an exciting show. Not only do we have a regular guest who we're so excited to get to know. First of all, Scott Sorensen, welcome to the show. Thank you. I am thrilled. Now, we are so glad to have you here. We're excited to get to know you, but one of our favorite people, a favorite past guest of the show, someone we love to death, Gaynalyn Condi is back. How are you, Gaynalyn? Yes. I'm so grateful you gave me a little seat at the table today. I'm, We're so thrilled that you're I'm, here. I'm a fan of yours and this podcast and of Scott's, so it's a win and a win and a win. You know that you're our first repeat guest ever? That's I'm feeling very grateful about that, and I am your only guest that is got the name that I have. Yeah, Gainalyn. That's it. Because <laughs> no so. it. you're the only human who has that name. <laughs> it's true. It's that, that's true. true. It's and true. if you want to hear more, I think we really yeah, figured we, out Yeah, we went way too deep into 58, that. Episode 58, I think it is, <laughs> yeah. that we just figured out is Gainalyn's own episode. So we're going to circle back around because Gainalyn has a project with Scott that we're going to talk about. But first, mm-hmm. we're going to get to know Scott. So Scott, tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from. So I grew up in Davis County, Utah. Uh, graduated from Clearfield High School in 2000. So northern Utah. Northern north Utah, Lake. yeah. 30 miles north of Salt Lake. Got my 20-year class reunion this this summer. Nice. So that's an interesting life achievement I'm nice excited about. I how young you are. Okay. Yeah. On. So, get... <laughs> yeah, I'm so... like, whatever, my little brother, Scott. <laughs> what were you into, Scott, as a youth? What were you sports. like? Sports. I played year-round sports. I played four sports since I was, geez, 
five. Wow. I love, I love sports. I love competing. I love playing. I love the art of sport. Yeah. I think it's really engaging. Like I've learned when I was a teenager, the intellectual side of it, kind yeah. of the, you know, the, the strategy and stuff Psychology like that. Psychology of it. Yeah. And I just, I, I found sports to be absolutely fascinating. So my life, my identity from, like I said, five years old till, uh, all, all through high school was just, was, I played a, a lot favorite? of sports. My favorite to play was basketball. Yeah. I love basketball. Um, I just, that's, it's a finesse sport. Yep. And I really enjoyed it. It's like a dance to me. Uh, but I was probably the best at soccer and it's the one I gave up on earliest. Mm. But I played so much of it, I just got burned out. Yeah. But that's one of, that's one of, I don't know if regret is too strong a word, but if I could go back, I would, I would have played soccer. I quit before I went, I went into high school. I focused on, uh, uh, basketball and football. So were you raised in the church? I was. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a fair, one of those regular, both sides of the family is very traced back through the pioneers. Um, and so, yeah, I, I was raised in the church and raised in an area where, you know, I, in fact, I had one experience where I had a buddy of mine, my senior year, we're driving home from school or from, uh, we were out hanging out as a bunch, a bunch of us were, it's like midnight. We're driving along with the music really loud. I'm driving him home. He turns my music down, which I was like, wait a second. Like you, you're going to walk home, right? <laughs> Don't touch the stereo. But he turned it down and he goes, listen, I'm taking the missionary lessons right now. And my very first thought was, you're not a member. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> and so anyway, he goes, uh, uh, long story short, he just goes into this thing about where the missionaries are teaching us about the plan of salvation. Tell me what you think. And we spent an hour in his driveway in the car no talking about the plan of salvation. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm a horrible friend. I didn't even, I just, you make assumptions and I clearly missed on that one. And so anyway, yeah, that was but kind of the way I was raised. safe to assume in, especially 20 years ago mm-hmm. in that part of Utah, it was a high percentage, so yeah, I think that sure. was a safe assumption, Yeah, even though it turned out not to be. So yeah. you're into sports, you're going mm-hmm. through life. What came next after high school? So um, I served a mission. That was one of those. I know a lot of people wrestle with that question of whether to serve. For whatever reason, I was born with that prayer answered already. Yeah. I always knew I wanted to serve. I had to, you know, like most of us, we have to get our our lives aligned with what we want the direction we want to go so you know i had my struggles through high school that i that i had to deal with and really learned personally that the atonement of christ is deeply personal right it's not a theological um learning it's a experiential learning and so i really gained a testimony of that christ wants to heal me he really loves to find Mm. lost those that are lost and so uh that gave me the fuel to get out on my mission and i I think a lot of people don't learn that until they're on their mission. I didn't. I did Mm -hmm. not understand the atonement, the scriptures. And I don't know that that's... I think today missionaries are much better prepared. Mm -hmm. I knew nothing. I was an idiot when I went out. I (laughs) came home an idiot too. Well, I was an idiot intellectually. (laughs) I was still one of those guys that in the MTC, they're like, turn to the book of Moses. And I started at the in the Old Testament. I'm like, I don't see it. (laughs) Genesis, Exodus. Moses. And then I'm I'm peeking because I was too afraid to ask. I'm like, ah, pearl of great price. It was so sad. Those dumb things you do. But I had had some experiences that had just made a difference for me that I I really felt like I learned, I started to learn that that Christ is a real being Mm. with real uh, emotions and attachments and desires. And anyway, so that really kind of fueled me. and, And that's really where I, yeah, the mission is where the intellectual side started to catch up with some of that stuff. Yeah. 
So where'd you serve your mission? I went to Detroit. Oh, I love so Detroit. So that's why you're staring at me thinking this guy no, I love is kind Detroit. of a gangster. That's why. <laughs> you, that's what you were thinking when you yeah. saw I knew, him, right? I knew you've been yeah. waiting to be like, yes. there's something street cred about him. First time I ever got on a plane was to fly to Detroit really? on my mission. That's yep. a classic Utah missionary yeah, isn't story. Yeah, so funny. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. yeah. So we traveled a lot, but everything was a road trip growing up. We, My mom's from uh, Southern California, so we'd road trip down there. Yeah. And, yeah, so that was all we so did. So you got on a plane and landed in Detroit. I and landed Detroit, in Detroit 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. That was quite a time for Detroit. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was just, uh, I. it's like most, a lot of missionaries. You just, your life experience is so different than some of the culture that you're faced with. And, you know, when you get into a community as a missionary, I mean, you don't, you don't go halfway. Like you go all the yeah. way in and, and, and I just, I learned, that's where I, that's probably where I, I learned to be fascinated with people's stories. Like exactly what you do on yeah. this podcast, where just the curiosity for what, what, where people come from, what makes them do the things that they do. And I learned that, man, people have a lot of different experience than I do. And it's beautiful. In an economically depressed, especially when you were there, it's made yeah. a nice rebound. But the church really plays a role in society. And when I say the church, I don't mean our church. Church. I mean church yeah. plays such a big role. How did you, what did you learn about faith generally from non-members while you were on your mission? What a great question. I love that question. Thank you for asking it. I love that even though I felt like people kept faith regardless of the wreckage around them, whether it was their, in their own families like there were always people that you know their their behavior might have not shown a lot of faith sometimes mm. but they never uh, they never seemed to abandon it and say therefore I shouldn't have faith. Oh, that's awesome. And I just man it was like I really felt and I know this sounds if I went back as in the inner city I would feel different now as as in my you know where I'm at but as a missionary I felt really safe down there because yeah. I think I just felt wrapped in faith like people really they believed that that they were part of something bigger and that they were connected and again their behavior doesn't always reflect that but it didn't mean they gave up their faith because of right. it right did you serve in the city uh-huh wow yeah. i i love detroit i love it i mm-hmm. i go into the city no fear no trepidation i just think it's beautiful i think it's some of the most beautiful people mm-hmm. i've ever seen so yeah. i think that's really really neat come home from your mission what came next? Come home from my mission and ready to go to school. And um, then uh, about three months later, through a fun series of events, I end up reconnecting with a sister missionary from my mission. Mm, and that we story were, has been told yeah, on the show so, many times. However, and sometimes I like to just leave it at I do that in seminary. I'm like, and I'll just leave it at that. And they're like, wait. Did you come home honorably? What happened? <laughs> Did, were you that weird guy that was like praying, what street, Heavenly Father, should we track? And the Lord, and then you felt like, you know, God's like, don't track any streets. Go get Sister Greer. Tell her that you need to get married. I, it wasn't anything like that. I wish it was, Yeah, and I shouldn't say wish it. I wish there was more drama to the story, but it was just simply, we yeah. served around each other. We were friends. We reconnected. And we did the whole, because we're still kind of in mission mode. She was a sister and I was an elder. So we're trying to set each other up with each other's friends. And uh, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, and thankfully it happened to both of us at about the same time. All of a sudden, we're one day, we're looking at each other like, what are we doing? We should date. Yeah. And so the week after that, we went on our first date. Uh, had awesome. our first kiss, take it easy. And then, uh, <laughs> and then, uh, 
Six weeks later, Your we were engaged. seminary students are like, what? I know. They're like, wait, old people kiss? Anyway. <laughs> what? My seminary teacher. So, uh, so six weeks later, we were engaged. And two months after that, we were married. So we were married. Oh, and we both went home on the same day. So eight months after we came home, we were married. That is so. awesome. And to be, and, and I know a lot of people are like, gosh, I would never get married that early. And I yeah. felt the same way. But my wife is, I'm not kidding when I say she is evidence of God's love. Yeah. She is just, she is a tremendous person. That is awesome. And, and I, I would, would not I would, regret a day of it. I would echo that 10,000%. I'm yeah. a huge fan of Paige Sorensen. Yeah. Well, She's and, one of my favorite for, people. For what it's worth, you're sitting with a guy who went on his first date May, May 26th. Got engaged July 1st and married September 17th. So I love it. I'm tracking right along. You with know you, what Scott. I mean by Only that. Only in the you, you would never. I don't you would recommend never, it to people, yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't do it any differently. Yeah, so. no, you don't plan it that way. And we're but. 25 years. Mm. So, and to be honest, and I know a lot of people when I say that, what I do want to say with that is, I know that's not everyone's experience, and I don't know why that's been mine. I definitely don't feel deserving of that. For whatever reason, God blessed that relationship for me. But I do want to make it very clear that I know that's not everyone else's. No, and of course to not. totally honor that for whatever reason, there's a and lot of complicated the path reasons. Yeah. Like I know mine. If my wife had known me one month longer, she would have realized, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> I am way, way better than this guy. So I get it. Yeah. You guys end up getting married. Mm-hmm. What came next? So next was school. We wanted to go to school. Uh, my wife opened up. She's a fashion stylist professionally. Mm. Um, and so and so she's our first vet adventure was we were opened up a secondhand clothing store so we'd buy clothes down in san diego bring them up here and sell them um and so we did that for a while and then we decided to start having kids so we sold that business so um i was school full-time work full-time and she was um home with our first our first kid wow and so that's a lot yeah and so we ended up doing that for uh and then so we ended up so we have three kids total now um We've lived after we graduated from college. In fact, I could tell this story really quick. Um, I, I've, I wanted to be a seminary teacher. Like a lot of return missionaries, we kind of like, let's just keep doing this for a living. Yeah. Right? I'm so teach forever. Because part of it's we're insecure because it's like the world's crazy. And you're like, let's just stay in. <laughs> if I teach seminary, and I really wanted to. And so I went through the process and the program, and they didn't hire me. And so, and it, it, it's intense pro- process, though. and it is. We've heard this from a few seminary it, teachers yeah. who've been on the rushed. show. Rushed, like it. It ripped my heart out. It really broke me, like genuinely in a way that I hadn't felt before. It was hard, and so I took a job. Um, kind of like, anyway, I took a job that took us to Chicago, then Indiana, and then Florida, and then I took another job that moved us to San Diego. And so we we spent about eight, almost nine years, kind of bouncing through across the country, yeah, and raising our our young kids, and had a lot of interesting experiences. And how many kids do you have? I have three. three so yeah. yeah, I've got a fourteen year old, a twelve year old, and a seven year old. Wow. And so anyway, we went through that whole process, and um, anyway, and and uh, it just kept coming back to try again. And I talked to, I, I had reached out and my dad knew a, an Institute teacher really well that was uh, kind of involved in some of this stuff. And he said, yeah, have him try it again and see what happens. And I thought it was a no forever. And that's kind of the way they, pr- they present it. And so I went through, I had to go through the process of, can I really do this again? 
Yeah, and get a no because I had to come to the point Mm. to accept that they could very well say no again. So it took me eight months to make the decision just to go try it again and revisit all that pain and and all of that stuff. And so I did, and thankfully that time they chose to hire me. So I've only been a so I've been a hired seminary teacher for three years, but in Indiana, Florida, and San Diego, I got called as the early morning seminary teacher which was kind of funny. So I've taught for seven years total. Um, but uh, yeah, for whatever reason. So I had a full business career about almost a decade mm. before I oh, circled back around. So that yeah. must've been a big shift to suddenly go into teaching full time. Yeah. It was crazy. Huge shift. Yeah. Well, even I taught early morning seminary and that's right. how they hired, they hired me from that. I had one class of 26 kids mm. and uh, now I teach, I have 178 students now and I teach six periods at a massive high school. That is awesome. What yeah. do you love most about being a seminary teacher? Um, other than the students. So I mentioned the kids. I'll tell you another thing that it really helps. Uh, selfishly, it's healing. Mm. It's soul healing for me. Like, I really, really enjoy the process. You know, we all have our own struggles, and I have mine. And so on a selfish note, being able to to seek out, pray for others, how can I help other people in this way? But obviously, a lot of the stuff I study, I, I'm like, that's for me. Yeah. Like, that's personal. And so um, that idea of going all the way back to high school about starting to discover Christ as a, as a being with attributes right. and, and, and a personality and character... Uh, I find that as I study and teach, and a lot of things come out in class. I was just teaching on grace the other day, and kind of our performance approach to the gospel, where we're outcome focused, and if certain outcomes don't happen, it can really cause mm, like yeah. us to write. For example, seminary. I am designed to teach seminary, and then it doesn't happen. Well, now yeah. what do you do? And how does God feel about me? Mm. Versus going through maybe a different approach of practice, you know, Brad Wilcox talking about grace, sure, and some things emerged from that for me that were even just healing. I just sat after class after teaching at six periods and just thought there were two or three things in there for me that were just for me. So selfishly, it's a it's it's been it's kind of therapy. That's awesome. Uh, speaking of which, one of the things we'll talk about real talk in a minute. One of the things mm-hmm. you've been pretty open about is your journey of mental health. Yes, That's something that you're really open about that we haven't talked about yet. How have your experiences with your own kind of gaining an understanding of your own mental health, how has that helped you when you're working with 178 kids who are all all in different places Mm -hmm. emotionally and spiritually? So what I've learned, I think what I've taken through that is that we all experience pain. Mm. And my pain has come through mental health, a lot of rejection um, and stuff like that. Uh, anxiety is right now has been a big one for me. My depression, I handle pretty well, but anxiety has been tough. And so, you know, I do therapy and I'm usually pretty open about that with my students, but it's not, it's my, my purpose is never to say my, my pain's worse than yours. Right. Comparing pain is always, has always been a a blind alley. Yeah. Yeah. It just never leads anywhere with any, it's not useful that I found. Gosh, no. And so what I've learned through it is it's taught me to see people and to, and to just, find different how would how do we all experience pain and that's what i love about the gospel i think that's what the gospel's primary purpose in mortality is is to teach us what do we do with pain where do we put it how do we manage it um, what if it doesn't go away then what and if it does go away 
And it also gives us new eyes to see that in other people. And so for me, it's really opened up this whole compassionate side that I didn't have. Mm. That was something I didn't have in high school. I was very competitive. And so I didn't have space for failure, right? Mm. When you're hyper competitive and I didn't have space for compassion. It was win and it was, and it was outcome. Everything was outcome focused. And that's the downside for me uh, with sports. And so I have to be careful with that, but yeah. I've learned depression has given me totally new eyes to see people as like, just with, with a, a, an amount of compassion that yeah. it's okay. There's an acceptance and then a, a usefulness. I actually, a lot, I'm your guests, I obviously will talk about this all the time. You find your strength through the pain. Like that's right. where your creativity, right. in fact, I'll tell real quick, just oh, last please. night, that's my wife threw a fashion show for um, Sweet Salt that she works for and Gaina Lynn was there, and uh, and uh, I had a student there that doesn't come to seminary, and uh, something about her is beautiful to me. Her light, how she shines, um, I've I just something about her is so awesome, and I don't know how else to say it and say it the right yeah, way. I get it. But anyway, but she, I reached out and said, hey, I don't know if you'd be interested, but she she designs clothes. I'm like, my wife's doing this if you're interested. So she came and was a model for it. And um, and she is experiencing a deep amount of pain right now. She, she wrestles with her own struggles. But man, it's just, it's one of those things where I just, I've, I really got to see her shine yesterday. Yeah. And, and I asked her, I said, just... Right now, as a senior in high school, what's what have you learned about your mental illness? And she says, so far, she's like, it's where my creativity flows from. Mm. And Isn't I was that beautiful. like, wow. <laughs> and I just sat and stared at her, and I was like, that what an amazing thing. No one wants, no one wants what she's going through. No one would ask for it, no. but she's but she's recognizing mm. that this is where the creativity is, and I'm just trying to figure out how religion and culture and church and all of that and my creativity, how to put all that together. And I'm just wow. not sure how to do that yet. How old were you when you realized you had some struggles with mental health issues? Uh, junior in high school. Okay. Junior was Very probably... time. That was the time where I would go to bed and the shame, that's where I heard the shame, mm. you know, yeah. Satan's voice in my mind, which was not good enough, worthless... Uh, your friends aren't really your friends. They just feel bad for you. That kind of a, that a lot of people go through. That's the first time where the attack, the full on assault on my identity, I really noticed. You must have so much perspective and be able to connect with students in a way that maybe other seminary teachers can't because of these experiences. Well, I found when you address pain openly, you know, and that's, that's like to the acceptance of pain. Like you can't do anything unless you, and that's what really resonated with me. I'll uh, just a, a really quick story. Um, I spent the better part of a decade, so about sixteen, seventeen to twenty six, twenty seven, not wanting to accept that that was a part of me. Mm. I thought it was the ugly wow. part of me. I really thought it was ugly, and I didn't want to tell people about it. I my wife knew I struggled, but I would never tell her that that I felt like she was better off without me. Mm. And I felt like my kids were better not having a dad than having me as a dad. I never wanted to tell her that because what if it was true? Like Sean, what if it was true? 
What like, if you then shared you that do? and she nodded and said, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Like I was terrified of that. And so mm. actually I was sitting in my car one day. It's such a sad movie scene. If you were to film this, this is the scene. I was at a, uh, going out of business mall in Indianapolis and I was eating lunch and it was a grim day. The, the business was all, you know, the mall was like dead and, and I was just, I was done. I was trying, I was coming to terms with the fact that I wasn't going to be a seminary teacher and that whole identity was just ripped from me. And, uh, I remember I, I just, I, I legitimately in my car yelled out, I am done. And I actually meant it. I'd said that before. We all say that before, but I genuinely meant it. Mm. And I was emotional and I was just, I was a wreck and I was like, God, I can't, I cannot handle this. And so, um, as I settled down for a minute, I had this thought, um, this impression and it's those impressions, like God can tell you things. If someone else tells you, you're like, thanks, but no thanks. But if God says it, it's different. And he said to me, um, you have depression because it makes you a more compassionate person. And that's the first time, Sean, I ever thought, wait a second, God's okay with this. I thought it was the part of me that I needed to get rid of. I always thought that I served my depression. It never occurred to me that it served me. And I was I audibly said, what? And it recurred. You have depression because it makes you a more compassionate person. And then the, then the second part of, th- of the thought was, and I need you to be compassionate for what I want you to do in life. And it gave me purpose, acceptance and purpose. And if you look at Joseph in Liberty Jail, when God says, peace be unto thy soul, thine afflictions and thine adversity, they'll be but a small moment. Only God can tell someone in jail that jail will be a small moment. If I said that to Joseph, he'd hit, he'd want to physically hurt me, right? He'd want to punch yeah. me in the face. But God did the same thing to Joseph. He gave him acceptance and then purpose. There's uh. purpose in this, Joseph. I'm okay that you're in jail. And when God says he's okay with depression, there's not language to describe that. Like, I don't have it. But it meant, it meant everything to me. It realigned, it, it redefined and realigned everything in my life. And allowed me to finally start healing so I could go to my wife and say, you know, God's okay with this. Maybe she is too. And she is. Scott, that is one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard in my life. I I love that we're at a point. I think that maybe at least my perception 20, 25 years Mm -hmm. ago was that's something you don't share. Oh, absolutely not. That's That's something you cram down (laughs) because from the pulpit, we all have to be perfect. Yeah. But I also, when I look at like this group sitting here, you can speak on depression in a way I can't. I'm grateful that I can't, but I'm grateful that you can. Mm-hmm. Gainalyn, you speak on suicide well, I, in I'm... a way so differently than anyone else I know. <laughs> Thank you. I admire and respect and feel so grateful that God brought Scott and I together. Oh, yeah. And the concept for Real Talk was originally just me. I think this is the perfect time. This is because... To jump into Real Talk. Really? How did this all come together? Covenant and Siegel came to me about doing this Come Follow Me show. And then um, 11th Hour saying to me, and they were so great. They were like, you can say no, but there's this this guy and, and you know him, we think. Like literally how much I didn't know him. And what do you think about co-hosting with Scott Sorensen? And the spirit was so like yelling in my ear, say yes, say yes. And I was like, yes. And they know I tell the truth. And so 
the our producer would you call amy our, our producer yeah. she was like are, are you sure because i said yeah i said the spirit is like right on and i said and i'm going to tell you this he he i don't know how he'll be on camera I don't know how we'll be because we've really had two five-minute conversations. And when we were, it was because my wife was taking a part in styling Gaina yeah. Lynn, dressing her for certain events. And so I was just <laughs> incidental. Yeah. It was like, this is my husband, Scott. Cool. Let's and talk it was about like, hey, for this. like we really hadn't had much mm, of a... What a blessing. Right? But but I knew something... And then, we're in, and then <laughs> yeah. like 10 minutes later, it felt we're in camera. Yeah. In front of cameras yeah. talking. Yeah. And, and what I would say is I knew immediately that... Everything that the spirit told Scott that day yeah. is what he brings to this project. And that his authenticity and vulnerability as a man, which is the number one group we're losing in suicide. Yep. yep. That middle-aged men are our highest risk. Mm, and and I'm not that. saying that in Utah, the number one killer of teens is suicide. But the number one group of people we lose to suicide is middle-aged men. And so for Scott, within the context of seminary, within the context of being within the church, and then as a male, to be willing to have this conversation, and then we could talk about the scriptures, that's like my dreamland. That's like, (laughs) that's like my heaven. And then we, we, we sit down the very first episode we taped in December for all of our January episodes, we didn't even prep with each other before the camera went live. Mm. And after that, you know, after we got over the awkwardness of mm-hmm. it like, took a minute and I've never been on camera never. and Gaina Lynn has been on, I was like, <laughs> I was that super awkward kid in the corner. Like, I don't know what to do. Because we're talking about real talk yeah. and our audience may not know what real talk is. Oh, yes. oh yeah. I'll try to address it. I'll sorry, try to address sorry. it on the intro. But I want to go back and make sure. So real talk, if you were to tell somebody, elevator pitch, 20 second, real talk is... Real talk is under 20 minutes, we're talking real. We are not going to tell you every detail of the Isaiah chapters, but we're going to talk to you about the scriptures that bring to life what's really happening in real families. So Scott's honesty about mental health or whatever else we both bring up in an episode, it's real life. But we also love the scriptures. And so instead of thinking the scriptures are like these old families of these ancient stories of these perfect people that had living prophets on the earth and we're all a disaster, no. God put all those stories in there for our real life. And so we love that our audience is like, we want more than 20 minutes, but the other essence is we want to reach the people that have given up on come follow me yeah. that have no desire to even maybe go to church yeah. that are single, that are disenchanted, that have teenagers rolling their eyes every week <laughs> because they're like, I do not want to study the scriptures. Well, now at the time of this taping coronavirus, we're all going to be home. Yeah. And so this is, this is our big why. That's my and, 30 And not seconds. to get two brass tacks, but Real Talk is a video series. Like, I'm, I'm trying to take it way yeah. back because we haven't yeah. told our audience yeah. what Real Talk Real Talk is, is podcast, Real Instagram, is YouTube, a, Facebook, but it's also video. It's a video series It's a video yeah. series. You don't want to miss the video portion if you yeah. listen to podcasts because Scott has really good socks. <laughs> I'm really good socks. It's been You're wearing like a no vein. socks today. Well, because yeah. he he wore his Vans. If he yeah. he's a very I'm sharp wearing dresser. Johnny Cash socks. See, by the way. So awesome. you could come on Real Talk as our Cash friend socks. guest. We have a okay. friend series. So so one of the things I will say is for sure watch the video. And the reason I like the video, first of all, uh, 
This is a professionally produced <laughs> series. It is. People you stop have me. switching cameras. <laughs> to we me, do. that's huge. I know. We Isn't have a cool? beautifully staged set yes. designed by Paige Sorensen, by my the wife, way. My wife yeah, is it's a set so beautiful designer, that apparently. people stop me and they're like, your television show. Like, hardcore people are like, you have a television show. Yeah, and it's I'm a like, full on television it's show. It's a full on television clear, show. Yeah. The production and, is high value. And, and again, I appreciate anybody's efforts. Like, right. Podcast or whatever. If you're like basically building the kingdom, which is thrilled. what I was doing last year, my cell phone with no lighting in my bedroom. No. Thrilled that people are doing that though. <laughs> 400 Everyone. people would watch it every week. <laughs> Thank you for your video. <laughs> You're welcome. And everyone should do that or yeah. do whatever they feel they should do. However, this is a very professional thing. And one of the things that I really appreciate is, and, and I want to make sure people leave with a little bit of flavor of what they're in for when, if they haven't watched it yet, if they go watch it, it's you guys talking about the scriptures in a way that friends and family would sit and talk mm-hmm. about the scriptures. Does that, I've watched a few episodes. Mm-hmm. Does that sound, that's what I got out of it. Yeah, we've actually been strategic about that because sometimes it's hard to, in your family to be like, how do I bring up a scripture? <laughs> yeah. well, well, and how to, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> wow, we went way different directions on that. <laughs> No, but the and like, also tune into Real Talk for the random bloopers that we don't edit out oh, and my short laughs. Yeah. I really love that one of you just said scripture and the other said porn. That's a that. Well, there you that go. That is so classic. That's our, real that, talk. That's our eight I second. I think we elevators. just figured out what Real Talk is. This is Real Talk. I'm I'm getting the experience. That's of funny. It. Oh my god. But goodness. it's true. Yeah. Oh, why seminary teacher? What were no, you? No, you say guys about definitely scriptures? you. No, you definitely tackle. There's no question that you tackled very difficult issues. I mean, you just do. You know, you guys tackle very difficult things, but then you're also, it's this, you're laughing too. And we're yeah. crying a lot and yeah. we're laughing a lot and we really love the scriptures. You guys have a great back and forth. I will say, you know, <laughs> it's, you. it's it's a very good back and forth when you guys are presenting. And this is produced by Covenant. It yes. is. And Siegel. Covenant and Siegel book. Yeah. Yeah. So how- We do- have a lot of bosses. <laughs> we don't really- <laughs> Sometimes we're taping episodes and we're like, who are all those people watching us? We're not really sure who's in the room. So you have a long history with with Seagull. So, I mean, you obviously know a lot of people there. So that makes sense. Scott, how did you connect with Seagull and how did you get involved in this project? So I've I've become friends with some of the people there. And and essentially what they were looking for is kind of a middle ground with Come Follow Me, where the a a lot of times the manual sometimes and for and for I'm for good reason doesn't have as much as some people are looking for but then they also don't want they they don't necessarily want to dive into a doctrinal book written by a religious professor which is what I love I love those yeah but but sometimes it, it feels like you're you're either in one extreme or the other and so they came to me and just said how would a seminary teacher teach come follow me in their home did they pitch it to you as you and Gaina Lynn? No. They actually he came wrote to me about the book, a book first. But yeah. They, Let's talk about your book. Yeah, we haven't talked yeah. about your book yeah. at all yet. It's so, really great. So they came to me, yeah, about a book and just said, What you know, how would a seminary teacher teach come follow me at home? And I thought, well, we'll see what I do, what I can write. And so I wrote a few chapters and sent them in and they they said, We'll write the whole book and we'll see. So I wrote the whole book in a month. <laughs> Which was his, kidding me? his no. end of 2019 was mind blowing. Like, yeah. here's a book, and do you want to do a show? I'm like, sorry, kids. So I spent two hours <laughs> with my kids at night after school, after I taught, and then I'd lock myself in the room, and then all weekends. But and that's neither. That's the reason I say that is because 
it, there's some things in there. I'm like, yeah, I could have worded that differently, but whatever. But anyway, my point yeah. is, is that my, I was trying to just fill that need of giving families like uh, maybe a simple object lesson, a way of looking at something and then, and then questions awesome. to facilitate discussion. Like what questions can I talk about in here in, in you know, What's need, the name of the book? It's called uh, Come Follow Me Through the Book of Mormon. Come Follow Me Through the Book of Mormon. Yeah. With a real talk sticker on the With front cover. With a real cover. talk sticker, yeah. With a real talk sticker. <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to just plug my partner's book on this because I said that the other day and someone's like, your partner, Rob? And I was like, <laughs> my co-host feels sometimes cumbersome to say. Yeah. There's QR codes in there too. So he like, it's beautifully designed to where you can go straight to a video on the church awesome. site. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, very interchangeable. I hope it's okay. Can I, I be your this. marketing director? No, it's okay. I hope I say this, but I don't, I don't think God expects us if we're going to spend 30 minutes yeah. with come follow me. I don't think he's like, okay, read first Nephi chapter five and six, and then close the book and be done. I think he wants us to read a few verses, maybe watch a church video that helps to crystallize it and then have a discussion for 15 minutes. I think that's better than, okay, let's set the timer for 20 minutes and then we'll stop reading when it goes off. I just don't, I don't think, because if not, there's no relevance. And then all of a sudden I see it all the time, you know, and then you look at scriptures and you're just like, when you look at them, you think a task, you don't think, answers, help, assistance, love, kindness, you know, usefulness. And that's what I, I want my kids. I don't really care if they know the 12 tribes of Israel, honestly, but I do hope they know that covenants bring God's power into their life. That's what I want them to know. So if I use Abraham to teach it, great. If I use somewhere else to teach it, great. If I use a church video to teach it, great. But I need them to know that covenants are how you access God's heavenly power. And so anyway, so that's kind of the, my book kind of bounces around in there. It's kind of a lesson manual at some point. It's so, formatted anyway. to go exactly with how I the church manual so is. Much. And yeah. we don't always quote it in our episodes, but I, it's what he just described in his, the behind the scenes why for the book is our same why for real talk. I is that, that we're, we're not, we know that there's some weeks that there's five, seven chapters sometimes. And we're like, we're not going to get there. But if we... We love when we hear from people that like we said one thing in a new mm, way yeah. and it caused an hour conversation with their teenage son who finally said the truth about a secret in his life. Like Scott and I would do the whole show for that. That is for that. just amazing. Well, that's get, come follow me, isn't yeah. it? I think that's the purpose. Yeah. It's conversion. It's not, I read the Book of Mormon 26 times before I went on my mission. Scott, you and I need to come up with a new way. We start every episode. We're so excited. We're so excited because we really are yeah. really excited every week because we don't, we don't feel like, um, we don't feel like we have time to waste. Like, yeah. Jesus is coming. And that's how Come Follow Me should be. Yeah. You should be excited. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. We set this up a while, you know, several days ago. And, uh, you know, this will be released on Monday. But for, as a point of reference for our listeners, literally four hours ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was announced that for the next few Sundays there will be no church because for of an inevitable amount of time. Like yeah, I was we don't, telling we Scott, don't, we don't know. Do we do good for two weeks? Probably. If we're in the month mark, how are we all doing then? When Diet Coke is getting low, and uh... <laughs> I got a stockpile, I'm good. If you were to recommend, is there a right and wrong way to use Real Talk, or is it? 
I mean, is we've there... Heard, we've heard from everybody. We've heard from moms that were on bed rest that we were there Sunday for months and months. We've heard from singles that say, I don't have a family to sit and do. Come follow me with. You are my family. I can see that too. We. I just heard from, at the event last night, a, a woman pulled me aside and said, my husband will not do Come Follow Me. He will not study the scriptures, but he adores you and Scott. And he will watch an episode. So as a family, we will watch the 20 minute episode. It's, we generally, it's once 20 in a while, minutes. 20 minutes. That's important for yeah, people Yeah, and people know. want yeah. more, but the point is, is that there is more out there yep. if you want more, yep. but we want to fill the gap of your teenager is not going to be fine for past 20 minutes. So if you want to pop us up on YouTube and we are your catalyst, I promise you this, Scott and I, every week when we prep, we are saying, what is the one real talk thing here? What's the real family needing to hear? We promise you that we'll say one thing that will cause an honest, connecting, mm. vulnerable conversation in your home. Love I it. promise that. That's what I would say. What do you think, yeah. Scott? How can people use us other than um, admiring your, sco- your My socks? Your socks. And let's be clear. Important. It's not designed to be a replacement for holding mm, come follow no. me in your family no, no. or by yourself. Now, inevitably... Like sometimes I, I have to travel on a Sunday. Right. It could be that. Right. I mean, it's not to say it couldn't be. It could be that's how I get my study is listening. Well, now to you're going to be people. filling up Sundays even more than the two hours you didn't have to do. Right. So yeah. yeah. And I think that's part of the reason. Some some people say it's correlation, and maybe it is. But I think that is some of the reason why they don't. The manual that the church produces doesn't have so much information, so it leaves space. So for this. Yeah, like real talk has genuinely been a, a huge blessing in my life. And if the church over manualed the the thing, there yeah. wouldn't be room for all of us right. to be able to do what we're doing. And right. and and so anyway, I think there's there's some divinity in the yeah. correlation as well. There is a way in which all of us are coming to know Christ more personally. Mm, yeah, and Scott shared. I share, and we try to share on Real Talk that. But if we're not using whatever we're doing, not to quote Elder Holland, but always I will quote Elder Holland, if it's not about Jesus, then we're missing the whole point. And so for us, it's about Jesus. Like from day one, our first episode was like, I think Scott so beautifully said, you're worth saving. And the Book of Mormon testifies of that over and over again. And Beautiful. over again, we have special episodes that are more than 20 minutes called Real Talk Friends. We're hoping to get Sean Rapier on. Love to. Yeah. We've had Tim to. Ballard and, and You've Hank had Smith. People yeah, on. we just taped one with Susan Easton Black, which is a great like pre-restoration prep for conference. Incredible. We're hoping our, our our poor camera guy has he does all the editing too. So we're like, could you hurry on the edits on that? Because <laughs> it's Susan easy e- to edit, right? It takes like yeah, 10, we don't want minutes, them right? to take out throw an Instagram filter. Yeah, we on don't. Yeah. What happens? We don't want our snort laughs to be removed. But yeah, Susan I, Easton I, Black talking about her love of Joseph Smith. Tim Ballard talking about covenants and angels. Come on. Incredible. Come on. Hank Smith talking about his testimony of the tears on the plates of the Book of Mormon and his testimony of of the scriptures. Like these are these are uh faith promoting real life scripture things happening. Yeah. We're about at time. If people want to find real talk, 
It's everywhere. It's what everywhere. are the best yeah. ways? What are the best ways for people to find real? Well, talk? the podcast people are very loyal. They only want to listen to podcasts. We are on those platforms. YouTube people love YouTube. We're there. Facebookers tend to be an older demographic. We have a group. We would love for you to join because we interact a little bit more there that you can't always do on YouTube or on podcasts. And we're on we're on the gram. For the younger You're on the gram. We're I was like kids, saying so the gram. We yeah. have an I don't account. think they say that. I think adults say it trying to sound cool like <laughs> yeah. kids. We I'm said big. it on an episode once. I'm pr- I'm so Scott's like, I don't think we're supposed to call it the gram, but I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty young and hip. You on MySpace? You got that? Yeah. Is that still, uh, <laughs> yeah. is that still a thing? I, I don't just, know. I just changed my background music. My Yahoo yeah. group. <laughs> I'm pretty pretty down with uh GeoCities. Is that that's Geo- kind of a is that a thing still? Yeah. Just I'm, email me yeah. at AOL. And yeah. I'm, so we're on Instagram, and we have an what, account What if you have a fax Instagram? machine? Can yeah. you fax <laughs> the transcript of the episode? Because I'm kind of cool that way, too. So Yeah, we're on all of those platforms. That's and we awesome. Would love, and we love that... Um, I mean, I love that... And you, you have can, a huge following. Like, we, we, Are you shocked at how... You shouldn't be shocked. Like, Well... Is it just amazing to you, though, how it, huge yeah. your is, following is? Don't you think, Scott, we're finally to that point. Like, here we are at the taping. We're in the end, towards the end of March. And it's... At first, when you're trying to explain the concept, when you ask for our 30-second commercial, I was like, are people going to get that we're different, just different enough? And it's... For me, it's satisfying that it's starting to click. That yeah, people are awesome. like, "Nope, this is different." Nope, people love you. Need you. To check yeah. this well, it fills. It, it's nice to know it fills. It fills a void. Yeah. Yep. Like I said, I think this whole life is trying to navigate pain. What do we do with it? How do we wrap our arms around each other when we don't know what to do with mm, it and don't know how to help it. someone else with it? And I think I think real talk helps with that. It helps to kind of fill and give people direction on how to find healing. And gives them ways to honestly pain management. How do I deal with this stuff? Mm, I love from, that from, from a scripture perspective because yeah. that's why God gave yeah. us those stories. He didn't tell us about Nephi's broken bow. Scott shares a great analogy. If you go back to watch those episodes, even if you're past and we're into Mosiah now, yeah. we just tape Mosiah episodes today, right? Mm. Um, the the Nephi broken bow one is Scott talking about being unemployed. It was such a beautiful today. Awesome. He talked to me and asked me about Meg, my sister, dying by suicide. Right? Because yeah. it was our Easter episode, and we can't wait for people to. We have two weeks for the Easter episode to run. And, beautiful. And we really talk about our grief and how Christ mm. wept. Right. Well, like, I will put my full endorsement behind <laughs> what an awesome we show it is. We want to get you on. You need how to awesome come. You, yeah, guys, you yeah. need to come on. Our I'd love to. Episode. I would really love okay. to. Yeah, we love we're, it. We uh, if if we're going to wrap up with the same question we ask all of our guests. If you want to know Gaina Lynn's answer, go back to episode yeah, fifty-eight. I have no answers left. Fifty-eight or fifty-nine, whatever <laughs> the episode was. It, you were on so I'm the early. Weird name girl. So just Google it. It, it will come up. You're the best. It was so <laughs> awesome. Um, actually I had looked it up earlier. I think it's, it's episode 57. So go back to episode 57. You can hear Gainolin's entire story. And again, we did, we had, uh, you know, we had Williamson Sintel on, we did have him do a mini episode once, just an update, but you're our first time having a full episode with a second guest, Gainolin. So even though you, you give me a hard time because you didn't have your video. (laughs) I don't you take are, it personal that you did video the, the only, week after you're I You're the came only on. <laughs> second timer, but go Thank back you. to episode 57. You can hear Gaina Lynn's answer. But Scott, I'm excited to hear your answer to this question. What does being a member of the church mean to you? 
Thank you for asking that. And I think that's a great question you ask everyone. I would love to hear a testimony meeting from my congregation where that's all people talked about. Mm. I would love that. What a testimony meeting that would be. Um, But I will say, uh, I would say the church means to me, it is the, it is the, the path where I've come to know who Christ is at this point in my life. It's a relationship building experience for me. The church has provided fulfillment in ways that I never thought were possible. Um, it's helped me to see that Christ is a loving, kind being who weeps. Mm. I love the characteristic of him that he weeps. Mm. I'm so grateful we worship a God who weeps. Um, through the Book of Mormon is where that is what Christ is used to find me. I believe that he loves it's one of his, another characteristic he has. He loves to find those who are lost, and the Book of Mormon is where I go to feel found. It's whatever reason, the the words on those pages, the stories that are told, and just the feelings I have, I I feel like I I know who Christ is in a way that really makes a difference in my daily life. Like legitimately, I use Alma forty one fifteen that verse. Help me to. I treat people at drive-through windows better because of it. Mm. It says that which ye shall what that which ye shall send out shall return again unto you. Yeah. And if I if I want kindness and gratitude, then I I send it out. The boomerang verse is what a lot of people call it. And so when I get to a drive-through window, it changes the way I interact with those with people there. I want to see them as a person, not as a transaction. And the church has helped me to do that, and in in so many different ways. Um, it's taught me to be vulnerable, like I've done here. Um, and anyway, it's 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 revealed Christ to me in a way that genuinely has changed the way I see myself. I look at myself in the mirror a lot differently um, than I used to. I look at my family differently, um, and it brings in people in my life like you, Sean. You know, today's the first day we've we've met, and you know, I just I feel like you're someone that I've known forever. Yeah. Like all of that stuff has all been facilitated because of God's restored church on the earth. I could not be more grateful for God doing what he's done in the last days. And I know the church for some, it it is the source of pain. Um, But I I try and always look beyond the church to the savior. And that has always served me. What a gorgeous answer. You guys are the best. Can I just tell you, you are both Do you see why I'm a Scott Sorensen fan and a Sean Rapier fan? I'm now a huge fan as well. (laughs) They are the hosts of Real Talk, uh, Come Follow Me, resource that everyone should be watching, listening to, checking out. They're also both amazing authors. You can look up all their incredible books and recommend that you go read them. You're going to have time for a few weeks. <laughs> That's for sure. We'll see how this all shakes yeah. out. But above and beyond all that, they're amazing children of God, and I'm grateful you're my friends. Thank you so much for sharing Thanks, your Latter-day Lives with us. us. Thank we you. appreciate it. And my special thanks to Gaina Lynn and to Scott. I just adore them. They are the best, and I've gone back through and have started uh, listening to old episodes of Real Talk and watching them on YouTube. It's fantastic. Please go check it out. They are such wonderful, wonderful people. Uh, This week in my Latter-day life, uh, I had a lot going on that I suspect you also had going on in your Latter-day life. What an amazing week that none of us will ever forget. You know, we kind of went from, hey, we're not sure what this whole coronavirus thing means 
to it almost felt like overnight schools were closing and flights were canceled and business was upended and it all changed so fast. And then suddenly we got the announcement that all church meetings uh, over a certain size were to be canceled. And that shocked me. I don't know why. I just expected we would continue to have church. But sure enough, there it was. And then we got a sweet message from our bishop. And it was so reassuring. We have such a a wonderful bishop. And he sent a message saying, you know, kind of how we would handle things and that we were uh, permitted to do the sacrament in our own homes. And as I'm recording this, it is Sunday. It's late Sunday night. And so earlier today, it was just me, my wife, and our son, Keaton, just the three of us, got dressed up, as was requested. It was requested that we dress in Sunday dress, and we got dressed up, and we did the sacrament, and my son blessed it, and I was able to pass it to my wife and my son and take it myself. The spirit in our home was so incredible, and I was so grateful, so grateful for it. And then we sat down. We're not singers. I've said that before. And as we were sitting down, we played uh, the Tabernacle Choir singing A Poor Wayfaring Man of Grief, because I just love that song. And then we sat and we listened to a talk by Elder Oaks, and it was so beautiful. And the whole thing, it was just a wonderful, wonderful moment for our family. We felt the spirit. We had some conversation about church things, and it was a great day. Well, then we continued on with our day and and, uh, really had a beautiful Sabbath. I just think that set the tone. And at first, I'm not a big fan of dressing up at home. I'm not a big fan of putting on a tie ever, Uh, but I do for church and I don't for conference. But I will say that made such a big difference. And later on in the evening, I uh, did some barbecuing And I had texted one of my daughters and said, hey, she doesn't live with us. Uh, She's older and and just said, hey, I've got, you know, some barbecue if you want to come by and pick some up. And sure enough, it was it was like 10, 10, 15, 1030. uh, She and her roommate stopped by. And as we were sitting and visiting, I said, so what did you guys do for your uh, sacrament today? And they said, well, we we weren't able to do anything. We didn't have any priesthood holders around, and we just hadn't planned for it, and they weren't able to do anything. And I felt very strongly in that moment that we should do the sacrament right then and there. Now, we were headed for bed uh, just about. (laughs) This is pretty late Sunday night, Uh, but we were getting ready for bed, and, you know, I was uh, not dressed up anymore, and, you know, my my daughter and her roommate were not dressed up either, but I got this strong impression that it was okay, and that the most important thing was to honor the sacrament. And so I offered, I said, would you like to take the sacrament? I'd be happy. We'd be happy to do that. And they just lit up and said, is that really something we can do? And I said, yes. And then, you know, we need to figure out for yourselves, either come over or have your uh, ministering brethren you know, this is something that we can help and and set up. And so once again, we got out our setup, and uh, we did the sacrament for them. And I looked and saw that my daughter had tears in her eyes, and she said, I don't know why I'm crying, but the Spirit's so strong. 
and we had a moment together, and I was able to talk about just how important the sacrament is, and how what matters is that we take it, you know, seriously, and that we really pour our hearts into it, and that we focus on Christ, and we just had a great moment with them, and what a blessing that was to be able to provide that service. And we talked about the importance of the priesthood, and once again, the spirit in our home was absolutely overwhelming. I'm so grateful. I'm grateful even though this is hard. And brothers and sisters, this is hard. What we are going through as a world right now is difficult. But I wouldn't have had these opportunities today if it weren't for what we're going through. And so I'm choosing to focus on the good that's coming of it. And I have no idea what the next few weeks are going to bring. It's, you know, especially for me, my job is travel. It's very different right now, but I'm going to look for those wonderful opportunities that the Lord provides us. I am so grateful to be a worthy priesthood holder in God's church. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to serve, and I'm thankful for the sacrament, that beautiful ordinance that normally we do sitting in a chapel with a whole bunch of people we love, served by young men, quiet moment, and the music and everything else, but that it had just as much power, just as much, in my living room a couple of times today. What a blessing it is. I am so grateful for my Savior. I am grateful for that opportunity, and that's what's happening this week in my Latter-day life. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. I'm sure you are going through so much. Bless you in those efforts. Stay strong, and I think we're all going to kind of try to figure out how to get this through together. And that's about all we've got for this episode this week. So until we meet again, there is a great big beautiful world out there. So go be in it. Maybe not too much of being in it, but certainly don't be of it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.